Thank you so much for your giving. Thank you so much for uh, just joining us here, whether in person or online. We're just thrilled to see every single one of you. Um, if you're brand new, my name is Pastor Dave. Um, actually, my name is Dave. <laughs> I don't introduce myself as Pastor Dave. That's weird. Um, it's Bishop Berenger, actually. Um, Dave is fine. Uh, I'm the pastor here, and uh, right now you're trying to decide whether or not you want to come back because of that weird little moment I had. So I just, we just welcome you. We're so excited that you are joining us and celebrating uh, Jesus here today. And uh, we're celebrating moms in just a minute. I'm going to just pray over some moms. My wife and I wrote out a prayer um, a year ago that I just wanted to speak over and pray over moms um, before we really go any further. So if you've got your Bibles, go to James chapter 4. We are doing in... in I would say an emotional series. I think every series is emotional to me. Um, but we do a focus on emotionals, emotional turmoil, emotional changes, emotional challenges. We do this once a year. And our series this year is called Days Without Incident because I don't know about you. It's hard to go a day without an emotional incident. Um, but we've been just going through uh, just different challenges that we have emotionally because we believe that emotions are not a curse from God. They are a gift from God. And uh, emotions are there to be stewarded and not to run our lives. Lives. They're there to bless our lives, but yet not order our lives. And yet the scripture has so much to say about our emotions and going through things that challenge our emotions. So the title of today's message is Dealing with Difficult People. Dealing with Difficult People. Now, this is not a Mother's Day message, by the way. <laughs> Even though mothers deal with difficult people. And in fact, lean over to your neighbor as long as she... You don't say it to your wife, don't say it to your girlfriend, say it to somebody else, say it to your children. You know what? You can be difficult sometimes. I mean, go ahead and say that to them. You're not allowed to say it to any woman in the room, so just pick on the men right now. Just say you can be difficult sometimes. We all deal with difficult people, and perhaps there could be something, nothing else more draining emotionally than dealing with people. And we're going to dive into this in just a minute. So would you do this? If you're sitting with um, your spouse, you're sitting with your wife, sitting with your mom, would you just maybe hold them by the hand? And would you just pray over them? And I want to read this prayer over you as we just speak a blessing over moms. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our moms. We thank you for creating each one of them with a unique combination of gifts and talents. We thank you for the sacrifice of self each mom gives to her family for the late nights to the early mornings, for the tasks that go unseen and the difficult decisions they make. Thank you for the blessing they are to their children. Whether they're stay-at-home moms, working moms, or moms who have a combination of the two, we thank you for their flexibility, their perseverance, and their devotion. And we pray that you would give each mom strength and patience. Help her to see the significance behind every mundane task. We ask that you would encourage her heart when she feels defeated. Give her joy when she feels discouraged. Let her sense your appreciation and your love for her, especially for the often unnoticed things she does day to day to care for her family. We ask that you be the daily bread of tired moms and to strengthen them. We ask that you, be, that you be their living water to refresh in them. We speak against comparison and perfectionism and speak a wholehearted embrace of the goodness of their identity in you. Remind them of your careful watch over their needs and show them your care over their lives. Reveal yourself to them in a transformative way that causes them to bear the image of Christ to their family. May each mother experience greater joy in, their, in your presence and deeper rest in you. And may this day be a day that they would feel loved and cherished by the ones whom they raised. We speak blessing over them 
in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we give moms a big hand clap in the house? James chapter four, verse two, excuse me, verse one and two is an awesome word to the church. In fact, it was a word given to church people. So when James is writing this book, he's not writing um, to the world. He's not writing to a culture. He's writing to a church. And I love what he says. He says, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires within you? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. This is really encouraging, Pastor Dave. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Now, granted, if you've been at K First long enough, it has been years since I've done a Mother's Day message or a Father's Day message. I do not do a patriotic message. I, other than Christmas and Easter and the NFL draft, I don't really put sermons around holidays that we all recognize. Um, I, just, I just don't. Um, and so today, it's not directed at moms. This is directed at us together as the church. That when it comes to dealing with people, it is emotionally taxing and it's emotionally draining. And if dealing with people is not taxing or draining to you, you might be a robot or Jesus. Uh, other than that, it's a challenge to deal with people. So we're going to dive into this today as we navigate week four of Days Without Incident. Let me ask you a question. What is your, like, what's your prototypical style of vacation? Because I think that says a lot about an individual. If you were to ask the, someone ask you the question, what is your style of, of vacation? What is that? What is included in that? And so when I ask people that question, like what's a great vacation to you? The most typical words that come up and the two top words that come up to me are the words tropical and heat. I will tell you, those are never the first two words that come to my mind when I think about vacations. I do not think about tropical and I do not think about heat. Now, I'm not saying I wanna go to a place where there's ice and snow. That is not my typical vacation, but I don't think about tropical and heat because that just doesn't seem like fun to me. Uh, and many people will talk about, I just wanna go to a place where there's a beach. <sighs> I'll be honest, I don't like the beach all that much. Now I'll go to a beach, I don't chagrin going to the beach, but the number one reason why when I think about vacations, like I think about a mountain, I think about hiking, I think about trails, I think, I'll think about a lake in between mountains, okay? I, I, don't, I love swimming, I love that. But when I think about beaches, that doesn't feel like vacation because of one word and the word is sand. I don't like sand. And I have people like, I just love feeling sand between my toes. You need Jesus. Never have I felt like freedom or relaxation with grains of sand in between my toes. Nothing about it. Now, again, I like, I like the water. I, like the, I, I love going to the beach with my family. Don't think that when the family goes to the beach, I stay home. I go because I love time with them, but I just don't look forward to sand. And so some of you are like, you're the worst person to vacation with. No, it's, it's not bad. It's, I'm not so bad. But let me tell you this, when it comes to the beach though, when I think about vacations and beach, there is one aspect of the beach that I look forward to and it's the best part of the beach and it's something called waves. I love waves. 
Like if the, if the, the lake is wavy, if there is turbulence, there's all sorts of just uh, you know, wind and things going on and the waves are big, that's when I go into the water. If it's calm, that means everybody's in the water and I'm not big on being in the water. I'm really sounding like a person that hates people right now, doesn't it? Um, but I love waves. And so when I think about waves, like last summer, we went up to Lake Superior. Man, if you've never swam in Lake Superior, you are missing the polar bear plunge in the middle of August. It's awesome. Love it. And we found what is perhaps our favorite beach in the entire world, Miner's Beach, up near the Painted Rocks. It is kind of secluded. You are, you are swimming all around cliffs. And the waves, last time we were there, like I'm five foot seven and a half. I add that half on there. I'm five foot seven and a half. And when every wave is coming up and I'm looking up at six foot to 12 foot waves, it is a very good day. Love waves. And that makes the experience to me that much more better. Like when I think of my first experience with waves, it was 1985 when my parents took us to San Diego to visit family. It was my first time going to the ocean. And I remember just seeing the waves. And as a kid, you're trying to body surf and you're terrible at body surfing, but you're just tumbling and you're enjoying the waves. And I remember when I was, my parents, you know, to say, go enjoy the waves. So I went into the waves and after like 15, 20 minutes or so of in the waves, I wanted to see if mom and dad were watching me. You know how kids are doing something and they think they're really good at it and they turn to see if mom and dad are watching watching. And so I turned my back to see if mom and dad are watching and they were gone. Not only were they gone, our stuff was gone. Like they brought me here on purpose to get rid of me, go play in the water, little David, and like, get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. That's what it felt like. But one thing that I didn't notice or didn't even know about waves is this, is waves don't come straight at you. Waves come at an angle. So when you go into the wave, you go, you go into it, but then you come out. You go in and then you come out. And the more that you play in the turbulent waves, the more you tend to drift further from the place where you originally started. And when I think about dealing with difficult people, when I think about the emotions of navigating difficult relationships, how many of you know sometimes that's like playing in the waves, that you go into the moment, you go into the relationship, and when these waves of things begin to hit you, waves of emotion, sometimes the waves of difficulty, it tends to carry you a little bit further away than you ever anticipated those relationships could have ever taken you. Your emotions take you to places. Sometimes the anger, sometimes frustration, sometimes worry, sometimes anxiety. And when I think about this, I think about what can we do to shore up, oh, there's the pun for the beach, shore up my, our lives so that we are healthier lives. Because this may shock you, this may blow you away, but people can be emotionally draining. Blew your mind, I know it. You're welcome for showing up and me giving you this amazing truth. People can just be emotionally draining and we all deal with difficult people. But here's the reality check that all of us deal with difficult people, but I think we also have to come to grips with simply this. You might be the difficult pe person in somebody's life. You might be that difficult people because when I say difficult people, immediately everybody thinks of somebody in their mind. Some of you are pointing at me right now. I know, I see, I see those fingers. I might be your difficult person. I know that I'm a difficult person for some people. Maybe the people that are sitting over here. 
we all have those people, but we also have to come to grips that we might be that difficult person in somebody's life. And my challenge today is that we would invite the Spirit of God to do a work inside of us. And Pastor Abby sang that word, and it came up often in a song today, and that word is surrender. Because if we want to see God work in our lives emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, uh, if we want to see God work in our lives, it's... The Spirit of God doesn't work when he just shows up. We need to lean in to the Spirit of God. We need to lean in, and the word is to surrender. It's one of the reasons why we lift up our hands in worship is we lift up our lives as if to say, Lord, we surrender and we give our lives to you. And so the Spirit of God is here. He is here, but it requires us, you and I, to lean into him and surrender. And that brings us here to James chapter 4 where James is talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. And can we say, sometimes, sometimes Christians can be difficult people. Thought I'd get an amen in there somewhere. Thank you. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Notice it doesn't say, what causes quarrels and fights with people outside the church? He's saying, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? And our first response, I know my first response, well, it's their fault. Whoever that they are, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's them. It's those people. I have a person that likes to deflect all blame and make sure somebody else gets blamed because that's my human nature. Anybody else like to deflect blame? Bunch of liars in the room. There's a few of you, like you suddenly lift up your hands. We're all there. But, but James says, what is causing the quarrels? What is causing the fights among all of you's people? And the idea is he wants them to own the issue. He wants them to own the difficulty. And so this week, I was doing some journaling this week. I don't know if there's anybody in the house where you journal. Some of you journal. Now listen, journaling is not going on social media and saying stuff. That's not journaling. All right? Some of us use, I used to use Twitter for journaling during football season and people started unfollowing me because of that. Um, I have a journal because that's where I work out my stuff. And every once in a while, I love sharing with you thoughts from the journal or just, just insights into things that God is dealing with me on. And I want to share with you a journal thought that I wrote down this week that I think is huge when it comes to difficult people. I wrote this down. If your approach to difficult people is, Lord, do something about them. You remove the possibility of change in your own life because you require somebody else to change in order for your life to be better. If our approach, I mean, make it personal. That's what I did. If my approach is, Lord, do something about somebody else and that is the only way I'm gonna do better and get better and get healthier and get deeper in the Lord. If that's always dependent on somebody else's change, then I have placed the only possibility of interior change on an exterior issue. And James says, this is not the way it's supposed to be. What is causing this? Well, it's somebody else. It could be somebody else, but the question is, it's not what are they going to do, what are you going to do? Look, look what James says, verse one. Don't they... The quarrels and fights come from the evil desires within, circle that word, you. He is wanting them to take it personal. Verse two, you want what you don't have. You want what you don't have. 
Where does anger come from? Is when we don't get the thing that we thought we should have been given or something has been taken away that we feel was ours. We didn't get the apology that we wanted. We didn't get the, maybe the pay that we wanted from a boss. We didn't get the recognition, the appreciation, the affirmation. We didn't get something that we thought we deserved. And verse two says, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war. So in other words, you scheme, you, you yell, you post, you, you stir up gossip, you do whatever, you get passive aggressive, or hey, you know, I don't know what my spiritual gift when it comes to anger is. My spiritual gift, you can probably find it in 1 Corinthians somewhere, is the power of just giving someone the silent treatment. That is one of my spiritual gifts. I'm amazing at the silent treatment. Find it somewhere in scripture, maybe, but I, that's one of my passive aggressive approaches to dealing with people. I get angry and so my way of scheming and my way of waging war, my way of attacking people is just silent treatment. And you're like, that is the most petty juvenile thing that I've ever heard of. Yes, I am petty and juvenile at times. Some of you are just as juvenile as I am. And so it says, so you wage war to take it away, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I love the way the Neutral Living Translation says, you don't get anything. You're not seeing resolution because you have yet to talk to God about it. Have you ever not approached God because you knew what God already was, already was gonna say to you? I, every once in a while, I will call my mentor, my pastor, and my mentor, he, whenever I call him, I, I usually don't ask him what, what, what the weather is because during the winter months, he is enjoying Fort Myers, Florida. So I've just stopped asking him the weather because he'll just say, you don't want to hear it because you're going to get mad at me again. I'm like, all right, fine. But one of the last times I talked to him, I remember having this conversation with him and he's like, he's like David, you usually call me earlier on these things. Why didn't you call me? And, and I'm like, well, and he goes, I'll tell you why you didn't call me because you already knew what I was going to say and you didn't want to do it. And I went silent on the phone. I'm going to give him the silent treatment on the phone. But how many of us treat God that way? James says, you don't ask me about the quarrels. You don't ask God about the quarrels because you might know what God is already going to ask you to do. And so James chapter four really confronts us with the issue of dealing with difficult people. But what I love about this is James is not about trying to change the difficult people. James wants us to open up our hearts to the spirit of God so that we become the people that change. So instead of trying to change people, let's allow the spirit of God to change us. But pastor, I want, I want God to do something about this person. I want God to do something about that person. I want God to do something about this political group or this grouping of people or this community. I want God to change them. But I'm here to remind you, as long as change in your life is dependent upon somebody else's change, you're going to be a very, very miserable person. Because real peace doesn't happen when other people surrender to our desires, but when we surrender to the Lord. Let me say that again, because that's so good. That real peace is not when other people surrender to your desires, it's when we surrender to the Lord. Because I promise you that if people surrender to your desires, you're not gonna find peace. You might find some level of surface satisfaction, but you are never meant to find peace in what other people have or possess. Your true peace can only come in Jesus Christ. That's where the peace is. 
And that's why we can navigate difficulty, not because things get resolved per se, it's because we can find peace in Christ and navigate it in a Christ-centered way. So let me give you just five steps for dealing with difficult people. Just five simple steps to help you navigate this emotional roller coaster of people. So if you're taking notes, write this down. I hope you're note-takers, because note-takers get to heaven first. I'm just gonna let you know, somewhere in scripture. Take notes. Number one, write this down. Overlook the offense. Overlook the offense. If you have been offended and if you're alive and you're living in America, you will have issues of being offended because there's something always there. Because our culture is a very offendable culture. This is just the way America has trended for a number of years. Slight disagreements lead to relational fractures. But the problem is this, is it's bad in America, and we can all agree it's bad in America, but this is what's crept into the church. What James is talking about in James chapter four, this is not just what he dealt with then, this is what the church is dealing with now. Because we've moved as a culture and unfortunately we've let it leak into the church that it gets to the place where we no longer say, I hate your viewpoint. Now we say, I hate you. I no longer hate your political stance. I hate you. I no longer hate the thoughts that you have about that subject, that's where we have gone. But the message of Christ is so radically different because the people that the culture was told to hate and despise were the very people that, would, that Jesus would sit and to sup with. I love what the scripture says. Let me give you a bunch of scripture today because I believe in the scriptures. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. I love the Amplified version. And Donna Stocker, I know you're gonna love me quoting the Amplified. Hate stirs up strife, but love covers and overwhelms all transgressions. The original language would say, forgiving and overlooking another's faults. Look at that key. Forgiving and overlooking another's faults. It's learning to see that it's okay to be mad. Can I give someone some freedom today? It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to have the emotions, but what's not okay is when the emotions begin to sit in the driver's seat and run our lives. And it's okay to overlook offenses and that's where I think of this week, because I shared in week one of the series that I've got a pastor in my life, there's a leader in my life that whenever I see him, it triggers. And I'm telling you what, on Tuesday, I had to go to our statewide business meeting and, all the, and I, I had to walk up to the microphone because there was a, something I was nominated for and I did not want to be voted in. And so I ran to the mic, said Dave Berenger is out, felt good about it. And as I walked up the aisle, do you want to know who I ran into? And it's in that moment that we have to invite the Spirit of God to do an interior work and be willing to overlook. Not ignore, not pretend as if it never happened, but to overlook. I love what Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16, the NIV says, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Proverbs 19, 11, sensible people control their anger. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Can I tell you the secret to overlooking offenses? The secret to overlooking the issue? I'm not saying ignore it, I'm saying overlooking it. What's the secret? I think it's found in one word and the word is empathy. What is empathy? One of my Bible college professors spoke about it this way. He says, the best way to understand empathy is to walk up to somebody that is talking to you and unzip them from their head down to their heel, slip inside their skin and look at the world through their eyes. 
Because what we do is instead of looking at their behavior, empathy helps us to see what is driving their behavior. Because love looks past the offense. It doesn't perpetuate it. And empathy helps us to not see the offense as much as let's see what's driving the offense. And love helps us to see past it. Doesn't perpetuate it. And it positions us to be able to look at somebody and ask ourselves, okay, it's not why are they a jerk. It's what is driving that those actions so that I can actually understand because if we can have empathy, we can actually help overlook the offense because empathy does this. It helps us to see the human behind the hurt. It helps us see the human being behind the hurtful actions. I'm not saying the hurtful actions are justified. I'm not saying that you deserve them, but what can help our heart is looking past the offense and begin to see that hurt and that possible pain is there. Because if we don't overlook the offense, we will fall into the trap of it and we will contain it and begin to perpetuate the hurt into other people's lives. See, that baby understands. Number two, pray for difficult people. Pray for difficult people. See, praying for people is less about getting their change. And I challenge you, it's gonna be more about you getting your change. Praying for people is, is, is less about their benefit. It's more about dealing with ourselves. Eugene Peterson, one of my favorite authors of all time, Eugene Peterson talks about the book of Psalms and he says that the Psalms are training ground for prayer. Why does he say that? Because if you really read the Psalms and a number of the Psalms are written by David, but you begin to see how God is dealing with the heart of David. Because I don't know if you've ever read a, a Psalm where the Psalm starts off, it's a song, it's a prayer, it's a poem, where David or the author will say, God, take my enemies and cut their heads off. Some of you are like, I like prayers like that. God, shut them up. Break their teeth. Some of you go into scriptures and you read Psalms. Lord, break the teeth of my adversary in the name of Jesus. But, but the more that you read through the Psalms, what do you normally read by the time you get to the end of the Psalm? First part of the Psalm, the person's angry. Break their teeth. Cut off their head. Smite them with your spear if you're King James. By the end of the chapter, what do you begin to read? But Lord, you are great and you are merciful and you are just. The God who forgives, the God who shows grace. And you begin to see this transformation because the goal of prayer, the goal of prayer is not giving God a to-do list. The goal of prayer is that God would transform us. The goal is not to get God to do whatever we want. And I'm telling you, with James, he's saying, listen, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Because perhaps all they think about God is, man, well, we want God to do whatever we want. But if we go to God, we know that God is not gonna give us what we want. He's gonna challenge us to be something that we don't want to be. Matthew chapter five, verse 43 through 44, Jesus says, you've heard from the law that you're supposed to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So think about the people that are the most difficult people in your life. Those that are persecuting you are maybe your enemies in life. Jesus says, here's the way to deal with them. Don't worry about them, love them. Don't fret about them, pray over them. Because prayer may not transform others the way you like, but prayer will always, always, always transform you. 
Prayer may not transform others the way that you like. Listen, if prayer did that, man, I would have a field day in my prayer time. God, let me tell you all the people in my life that need change, I'm gonna tell you how they need to change. Man, that would be, seems like an amazing power to have, but that's not the point of prayer. Prayer is not so God can be your genie. Prayer is so you can go in and commune with the most high and let him begin to confront us about our sin and our transformation so that when we come out of prayer, we look and sound more like Jesus. Which leads me to number three, forgive. Some of you are like, that's the F word. No, 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 no. Forgive. It's the word we should be talking about. Outside of preaching on offense, which I preach throughout the year, I love preaching on the issue of offense. Forgiveness is the other topic that I think I preach on the most and I talk about the most because unforgiveness is a cancer that will annihilate your spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental lives altogether. Forgiveness is that which the Lord confronts us with. Now understand this, forgiveness, I'll say it again, is not minimizing what was done to you. I wanna say that clearly. Forgiveness is not minimizing the hurt that has happened to you. Minimizing, it's not minimizing the pain that you have and are still experiencing. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. For some of you here today, that the Spirit of God is gonna challenge you to forgive, but not necessarily calling you to reconcile that friendship. Forgiveness is releasing the debt that no longer needs to be paid by anybody else. It's releasing that debt. I love a song, excuse me, Luke 23 says, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Do you know when Jesus said those words? He said that from what place? Where did he say it from? The cross. People are spitting on him. People are mocking him. His friends have turned their backs on him. And yet from the cross, hands and feet nailed, he yells out these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Colossians 3, the words of Paul. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Look at those words. The Lord forgave you, you must forgive others. Again, let me just be real this morning. No show of hands, but how many in the house, when it comes to forgiveness, you always feel like forgiving people? Don't raise your hands. Because I'm not one, I will be honest, I can't think of a time where I really felt like forgiving somebody. Because in my flesh, you know what I want? I want justice. I want it in my flesh. I want people to feel the hurt. I want people to feel my pain. I want them to experience what I've experienced. And forgiveness does not come naturally. Man, that's a whole conversation. We could talk about the Behringer family and that generational thing that simply wants to hold on to grudges. We've actually talked to our children about that, about things in my side of the family where we like to hold on grudges. And that's why we're like, we're breaking a generational curse and we're beginning generational blessing. We will be a people. We will be a group. We will be a family that walks in forgiveness because we can't afford to hold on to that which God has freely released to us because I cannot allow the flow of forgiveness to stop in my life and you cannot allow the flow of forgiveness to stop in your life I love this quote to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you There's another uh, metaphor. Uh, Somebody said once, unforgiveness is setting yourself on fire, hoping that somebody else dies of of smoke inhalation. 
unforgiveness is setting yourself on fire, hoping somebody else dies of smoke inhalation or somebody, somebody else put it this way. I grew up hearing this metaphor that unforgiveness is the poison you drink hoping it's going to kill somebody else. But I'm here to tell you forgiveness, it doesn't erase the past, but I promise you it will transform your future. It doesn't erase what has happened. And I'm here to tell you that for some of you, you've gone through things you did not deserve to happen to you. And I'm not saying that letting that person go justifies everything. But listen, having a future of living underneath the pain of unforgiveness, it's not even, it's not justified to hold on. It's time to release it in the name of Jesus. Which leads me to number four, bless difficult people. Bless difficult people. The word bless has so many amazing um, definitions. One of the uh, definitions for bless is to speak well of people. I love that, speak well of people. See, we can't stop the difficulty happening around us, but we can stop difficulty happening within us. Luke chapter six, uh, verse 27 through 28. But you who are willing to listen, I say, Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Listen, bless those. I love what 1 Peter 3, 9 says in the NCV. Do not do wrong by... Uh, do not do wrong to repay a wrong and do not insult to repay an insult, but repay, repay, with, repay with blessing because you yourselves were called to do this that you might receive a blessing. Don't, when evil happens to you, repay a blessing. Repay a blessing. Speak blessing over them. I challenge you to put that in your prayer time. In fact, I didn't even challenge you. Make a list of the five most difficult people in your life this morning. And don't make the list make it to put onto a dartboard for the later. No, no, this is Mother's Day. We, don't do that. But I challenge you to put it on a prayer list. And I challenge you to do this every single morning. Is after you get done praying for your family, would you move on to praying for difficult people? And don't pray for them to change. Pray that God would bless them. That God's presence would be visited upon them. It's one of my prayers for difficult people. God, give them a fresh revelation of your love and your presence. Bless their home, bless their marriage, bless their lives. Speak blessing over them. Because we serve a God that doesn't just recognize how things are. He speaks things that are to come. Like in Genesis, we don't, God didn't hide that the, that the world that we had was just darkness and chaos and void and emptiness. He didn't deny that it was there. But what did he speak? Let there be light. And so we can see things for how they are and we don't have to ignore it. We don't have to skirt the issue, but begin to speak life over that. Speak blessing over that. Speak more over that. Don't speak things as how they are. Speak things as how they can become and speak it by faith. Why? Because we create the world we live in by the words that we choose to speak. And let me even word it this way. We choose to live in the world by the way that we speak in our prayer time. So let's speak life in our prayer. Let's speak transformation in our prayer. Let's speak revival in our prayer. And let that be the world that we create around us. And lastly, number five, do good to difficult people. Do good to difficult people. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. Uh, I'm not gonna read the entire passage here, but I love the ending of the passage. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Jesus in the gospels is to me the most masterful communicator. 
And I love the illustrations and I love the stories. And for some of us, we, we don't always understand his stories, which is good because the disciples they didn't always understand his stories because of some of the depth that they just didn't get right away. But when Jesus talks about kindness to people that are hurting, he uses one of the most fantastic illustrations that we just don't have any concept of in the year 2021. Because if we wake up in the morning, and I do the same thing every morning. When I wake up, I make myself a cup of chamomile tea. That's just my thing. Every single morning as I wake up and I make chamomile tea, when it's my day off, I get the kettle and I put the kettle on and I, and I, I just turn on the, the, the fire and I have tea in a few moments. But in the day for which Jesus lived, he used an illustration that helps us to understand why I just shared what I shared. Because Jesus talked about being kind to people being a joyful person, showing kindness to people around. He says, when you do that, you put heaping coals on their head. And I used to wait, I used to grow up underneath preaching for which uh, the pastor would say, when you're kind to somebody, you heap coals, coals all over their head and they just get to feel the burn. <laughs> like, this sounds kind of demented. But in that day, when people woke up in the morning, what they couldn't do is go turn on the fire and to make their tea. What they needed was the coals from the night before. The fire that they used, because fire meant life. Fire meant you can cook your food. You can purify your water. You can warm your home. Fire meant that you can do your laundry. Fire was life, and so they would have coals from the day before, and if the coals from the day before were gone, or they went cold, they had nothing to sustain their life for the day, and so they had needed a neighbor or somebody to, to step in and to give them something that they did not possess. And so Jesus says, Jesus is saying, listen, when you are kind, when you deal with difficult people in a kind way, what you're doing is you're giving them something to sustain life. You're giving them life itself. You heap coals upon their head. Why upon their head? Because they carried things in pots upon their noggin. Wherever they went, they heaped coals. They gave them something to give them life. What am I asking to do when it comes to difficult people? I'm asking that you would give people life that need life. But I think the best way to deal with difficult people is to literally do what we've been saying this entire time, is to understand that you and I, we may not be able to do anything about everybody else, but we can do something about ourselves. I have more good and more blessings in my life than I deserve. And especially preparing for this message, I've recognized that I've hurt people and I know I've let people down. I've known I've offended people and I know I've caused fracture in people's lives. And I am a product of those that have heaped coals on my head, that have shown me kindness when I didn't deserve it. And I bet you if I, we were to poll this entire congregation today, I would venture to say that you're here because somebody heaped coals upon you, someone showed you kindness and that kindness helped give you life. Jesus simply said in Matthew 10, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, you give without pay. Give. You've received something, give. 
Well, what if they don't deserve it? Who in this room actually deserves it? What do we truly deserve when it comes to people born in sin and deal with sin? I'm so thankful that God does not give me what I deserve. And so when we look at what we have been given, then we need to recognize that what we have, we have to freely give. I need to set up my notes aside for a second. And a day like today, when we talk about dealing with people, we recognize that dealing with the most difficult person, I think, is ourselves. And I just, I feel like I need to kind of stop the moment here because I think that there's some people in the house that actually need some healing this morning. Because a, a message like this to me leads, it should lead all of us into a place of repentance, a place where we look on the inside and we begin to say, God, deal with us before you deal with anybody else. We say, God, first deal with us. I think this should always be the right approach. But all throughout the service, I, I believe that the Spirit of God does want to heal some individuals today because maybe some fracture that you've gone through by individuals or by an individual that you just simply need healing for. Maybe you've forgiven, but those wounds have never been healed. What I want to do this morning is I want to pray over you because I believe that, this, that the same healing touch that healed blind eyes, deaf ears, uh, mute mouths, lame feet, withered hands, is the same God that exists today and he still heals bodies, lives, hearts, souls today. And if you're here and you need a touch of healing, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to do something that is maybe a little out of the ordinary because normally we do heads bowed, eyes closed in order to give people privacy. But I want, to, I want to encourage some boldness in the house today. If you're here today and you're just dealing with some emotional or some mental or even some spiritual fracture from somebody that has hurt you and maybe you're struggling with forgiveness, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're forgiven but you're just struggling with those interior hurts right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to you during worship today. I think the Spirit of God wants to heal you this morning. God says, why is it at the end of a service that this always happens? It's called spiritual warfare. If you're here today and you need, you just need an interior touch of the Spirit of God, you need healing. If that's you, somebody's hurt you, somebody fractured you, maybe you have forgiven and you just have not healed over. Maybe this morning the Spirit of God has stripped off some callus this morning and he's just kind of confronting you with an issue in this and dealing with difficult people and you just need God to do an inward work in your life. Could you do me a favor right where you're at? And this is gonna take some boldness. And if you're new this morning, we don't make people do this every week. This is not the way you become members in the church. But if you need healing this morning and you're just ready to move forward, boy, there's a word the Spirit of God just gave me. You're ready to move forward. It's, it's just, this is go time. If that's you, would you just stand right to your feet? We just want to know who to pray for. You need some inner healing right now. Just stand to your feet. It could have been a parent. It could have been a pastor. Listen, us pastors, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor's kid, so I know a whole lot of drama in the church. And I'm here to tell you, I've been hurt and devastated by pastors. And some people here, you need healing in Jesus' name. Oh, the Spirit of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. If you're sitting around people 
would you just extend a hand toward these individuals and let's just begin to pray and intercede in Jesus' name. Would you just extend a hand and just pray over them? If God has given you a prayer language, would you just begin to pray over those individuals? Just pray in the spirit. Or, or pray in English. If English is your second language, pray in your first language. Pray in Jesus' name over those individuals. Let's just begin to just speak healing virtue over these individuals in Jesus' name. If you're standing, would you just hold your hands out in a posture of prayer and just as if you're just saying, God, I give you the hurt and I give you the angst. I give you the issue. And let's just speak the name of Jesus over these individuals. Mother's Day is gonna be a day of healing in Jesus' name. A day of freedom today in Jesus' name. Lord, we take these words of James and we identify that sometimes the quarrels and the issues and the angst that is going on around us is actually going on inside of us. And these waves that have been hitting us have carried us and we have drifted maybe further away from a space that we've ever thought we could drift. Some of this hurt has taken us to places we never thought that we would go. And Lord, some people in here, it feels like the waves have been crashing harder and harder and harder. But Lord, I remember the one who stood up in the middle of a storm and he spoke to waves and he spoke to wind. He spoke to the rain. He spoke to the chaos and he simply said, peace be still. And that's what we speak right now. Peace be still. Healing virtue. Lord Jesus, would you just heal hearts this morning? Hearts that have been so heavy. Lord, hearts and hands that maybe felt like they had to keep carrying that issue. And Lord, I pray that they would hear the voice of the Lord saying, come all who are weary. Come all who are weary. I will give you rest. Lord, I pray today that rest would be release. So Lord, we release hurt. We release the angst. Lord, we release pain. We release unforgiveness. <sighs> Lord, we release holding on to things that we thought we were justified in holding on to. Lord, we release our attitude. We release the way we have been painting individuals. We release it, Lord Jesus. And Lord, my prayer is this, that Lord, you would help us to overlook offenses and to see the individuals, God, for how you see them. Lord, we vow to pray over these individuals, asking that you help us to see them how you see them and to speak life over them. Help us to walk in forgiveness. Lord, forgiveness for some things that are just absolute despicable acts that cannot be explained, nor can they be excused. But Lord, we forgive and we release. Lord, we bless these difficult people in our lives, God. And Lord, I bless these individuals standing. I speak well of them, healing virtue and freedom, deliverance, health, vitality, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Lord, I pray that you would do good unto them. And Lord, help these individuals that have been hurt to walk in your goodness. 
to remember that all of our life you have been faithful. And all of our life you have been so good. And your goodness to us was never dependent upon our response to you. Your goodness to us was always out of the goodness that you are. Help us to live that. Help us to operate that. Operate in that. I pray that in Jesus' holy name. And everyone said.